This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by SDN Sports from Station Casinos. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. Golden Edge, presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Review Journal's Golden Edge podcast coming at you on a Wednesday morning, the morning before the Golden Knights play the Chicago Blackhawks at T-Mobile Arena. We know there's a game tonight, but we want to send you some audio goodness because a lot has happened in the week since we last talked. The Golden Knights have logged a lot of miles, as has my intrepid colleague, David Shane. Dave, how are you doing? Good. Refreshed. Refreshed. You had a day off yeah, yesterday. Yeah, a day off. You know, I'm ready to go. All set. No more complaining. Not complaining. Well, I think the fans have a lot of complaints about how the Golden Knights yeah, are maybe. playing right now. I know my email has been packed with them. Uh, but before we get to that, we want to remind you that the Golden Edge podcast is presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. We try to hit you guys up every week with a new episode. And of course, like, subscribe, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a nice review. And of course, check out all our coverage at ReviewJournal.com. Uh, so Dave... Fans have complaints, and it's hard to blame them. The Golden Knights ended a 1-2-1 road trip with a 3-2 loss to the Detroit Red Wings. The Red Wings, who I believe after that game still had a negative 30 goal differential to, I guess, lead the league for worst goal differential. And Braden McNabb, I still have not figured out what he was doing on the play that led to the game-winning goal. Have you? No, but... So if you're going to bring that up, let's talk about the whole play then, okay? In in total context, because everybody's going to throw it on Braden McNabb, and yeah, like, what are you doing? Uh, just just get it to overtime. Get a point. Like, you're, there's 30 seconds left. You get it to overtime, you get a point, and maybe you get two. Now you get nothing. Part, part of my thing, and, and maybe I'll ask you this, I didn't see, like, could he glove it? Because he went after it with his stick. Like he, he kind of was trying to knock it out of air. That was a little Hollywood of a, of a play, if you ask me. If he could have gloved it down. Once you commit to to that, like you have to knock down that puck. Like 100%. Sell out. Right. Be- because you shouldn't be in that spot in the first place. But here's a bigger picture. Because I literally went back when I got home and watched after the second goal for the last nine minutes. Okay. They sat third winger high on the blue line. There was a there was a shift where Jonathan Marchester was literally so far back in the neutral zone, sitting back. They were lined three across on their own blue line when Detroit had the puck. They were absolutely sitting back trying to play for a point. On the last shift, 
Riley Smith is down in the corner. Jonathan Marshall is like pretty much in front of the net. And William Carlson's below the faceoff dots. And Riley Smith loses the puck in the corner. They make one pass up the board to Robbie Fabry. He makes the rink-wide pass. So everybody sees the McNabb thing, but for nine minutes, you sat back and you played for a point. And then with 30 seconds left, you had three guys forechecking below the faceoff dots. So, so is that system? Is that just somebody shuts off? Is that not understanding the line between aggressiveness and, you know, when to just peel back and, and take what you got? Because to me, they played, they pretty much did what they had to do in that game. And then Malcolm Subban doesn't make a save. And then you have to get a point, and they didn't. That's the biggest, that to me is where it's inexcusable. And yes, Braden McNabb makes the mistake, but that's a five-man mistake. Nate Schmidt's down there pinching along the wall, too. You know, at that point, like, why did you shut off after eight and a half minutes of playing a certain way, and on this one shift, you just decide, let's go for it? Yeah, Doesn't Jonathan Marceau didn't exactly hustle back on that play in question either. There's a lot that's going wrong for the Golden Knights right now. Now, uh, Coach Jarglant was happy to point out yesterday that, hey, we haven't hit rock bottom. Uh, as of this recording, they are 9-7-3. and three, So they have lost more games than they have won, but it's still technically an improvement over last season's 8-11-1 start. They are not that far out of the playoff picture, even though they are out of the playoff picture as we record this. But I think it's the way that they're doing it that is getting people frustrated. They have too many penalties. They turn the puck over too much, especially against good teams. Uh, they still can't win in overtime either, and they've lost a lot of points that way. They can't beat good teams, as evidenced by the drubbing that the Washington Capitals handed them. And now, of course, with the loss to the Red Wings, they can't even beat bad teams, at least on the road, and they, they're blowing leads. And so uh, in the locker room yesterday, a lot of guys were just talking about, we don't respond well to adversity right now. When something bad happens in the game, we shut down and instead of just attacking, attacking, attacking. And that was an interesting admission to hear because, I mean, this is a team that's had a lot of pride and a lot of confidence so far in its, you know, young existence. These have been players that are not afraid to, you know, go for it and play aggressively. And to hear that this team's playing scared at times a little bit was a little bit stunning to me. What do you make of that? I would go back to the Detroit game. Why did you do what you did in the last minute then? Like, and, and that's an understanding of, of where's the line of, of aggressiveness and going for it. Because to me, if you're going to say, okay, we have to put the pedal to the metal and we have to go, then they have to be okay with, with how that goal happened, except for the McNabb play. You, you know what I mean? And, and, and I don't think they can live with that. So it's a lot of identity in, in that regard. I don't think they've figured out who they are in, in that sense. No. And, and it's, you know, are you going to look like you did against the Ducks and play fast and look like you did in 2017-18 when you made the Stanley Cup final and, and you kind of played with the pedal to the metal a little bit? played a little, I don't want to say reckless, but nothing to lose, you know? Right now, there's a little more to lose. Their, their, their expectations are higher. Everything's different. And I don't think they've figured out kind of, you know, look, are we going to just overwhelm teams or are we going to have to grind out games? Because I think Max Pacioretty and some of these guys keep talking about we're not a superstar team and we have to grind out games, and, and that's fine. And I actually give them credit on the road trip for the most part. 
thought they grinded out a game in Columbus. I give them actually a heck of a lot of credit in Toronto. Everybody's focused on the loss. I think they earned a point there. Absolutely. You know, like I give them credit. And That's a yeah, good road performance. Right. Except for the penalties. They gave them too many chances. That's the only thing that I'll hold, the, you know, that whatever. And then Washington, it's 3-2 going into the third period. And then, then they basically got overwhelmed by the team that's playing the best in the NHL right now. You know, and then the Detroit game. And the, the, the problem with, the, with everything is the Detroit game kind of swings the narrative so much. And if you get a point or if you get it to overtime, you get two out of there. It's completely different feeling than going home with zero and three of eight on the trip and, and everything like that. It, it, at one point, I think it was in Washington, Jar Galan was kind of talking about how, you know, yeah, as a coach, you nitpick and whatever, but we're like five, two and three in our last 10 or whatever it was at that point. So even he recognized like, yeah, there's some things here that, that need to improve. And yeah, we've underachieved, but you know, it's not sky is falling. So to speak, they don't need to go through a whole reset here. No. And a lot of their issues that we've talked about, of course, penalties, turnovers, identity. I mean, that's not, you know, you need to swing a big trade or blow up the roster. It's just, you need to figure out how to get more out of the group that you have right now. And I might disagree with you there. Really? Yeah. On defense. That's fair. Because I'm just not seeing. I, they need an upgrade. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't see it internally. It's good. There's they're They're not good enough right now on defense with whatever combinations they're trying to put together. And they're getting exposed too much back there. They're not getting a, a whole heck of a lot of help from the forwards. It's not that five man kind of defensive unit. You know, there's too many coverage breakdowns. They run basically man on man in the defensive zone. You can spot for for the most part who is kind of responsible for certain things. You know, you can see a goal. I'm trying to remember which was the one. Um, was it Siegenthaler's that like Marchessault so was like clearly late, clearly let him sneak through, Yep. you know? So, I mean, there are things that you can absolutely point out in the defensive zone that the forwards need to help out with. But if I'm going to look at them objectively, they need an upgrade on defense. And I don't know that it comes internally. I haven't seen it yet. Maybe it's White Cloud. Yeah, you got a number of guys down there. I mean, let's talk about that a little bit because the defense is certainly going to be a talking point moving forward, starting with the fact that they made Derek England a healthy scratch. I mean, a lot of we've talked about England on the last podcast and how I mean the numbers for him were just really not pretty. And so finally they decided, all right, we're going to sit him in Columbus. Then John Merrill has a just whale of a game in Washington where he falls asleep in the first minute of the game. Yep. And he just was a rough game for him. So England draws back in. And so on one hand, it's probably good that Glant's starting to have a little bit of a heavier hand back there in terms of like, all right, I'm really going to let you know if you play bad, you're going to get yanked. On the other hand, I mean, you brought it up that you think they need a talent upgrade. I don't think if you could go through, you know, the list of defensemen they've played so far this year and say, okay, that's the guy that's having a really good season. And a lot of these guys, you know, we're at least relatively, I guess, high on might be a weird word, but we are comfortable with the blue end in terms of McNabb has been a consistent producer in his three seasons here, or at least two seasons before this. He hasn't this year. John Merrill stepped it up last year. Hasn't carried it over this year. Holden's been fine. Not expecting much from him. Theodore's not getting on the score sheet, obviously 
playing with Nicholas Hag maybe is inhibiting him there, but that's certainly not working. And Nate Schmidt hasn't jumped out in his first couple games back from injury yet. So there's no one that you're really getting excited about on their blue line right now. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I would go to Theodore, especially, you know, he's a guy that, you know, you paid some good money to and, and he's starting to get to that age where, you know, experience wise, he's over 200 games and I think he's 24, mm-hmm, you know? I think so, so you, you need to start seeing a jump from him and, I mean, obviously that first unit power play has been good when he's been out there, but I think I'm not a hundred percent on this. You're the, you got the computer over there. You can look this up. He got tacked on a secondary assist up in Detroit. I think that was his second point in the last 13 games. Yeah. Something around that, you know, now I'm not saying he should be a, you know, John Carlson and, and basically leading all defensemen in scoring, but you need more production from him. And I think you bring up a good point when he's been partnered with Nick Hegg, you know, that they're probably, you know, worried about, look, look, take care of our own end first. And then maybe the offense come and and they've sacrificed it, you know, to try to take care of their own end. And I mean, other than the Washington game, what they gave up one goal in Columbus, two in Toronto. I mean, three in Detroit. So like, I wouldn't say defense has necessarily been the, they're not leaking goals. So like clearly they're, they're looking at that end and and it's not, it's not, like I said, they're not just, they're not getting overwhelmed back there, but you need to see more on the other end. You need to see, you need to see more production. All these teams, it's the NHL now. It was was talked about in Washington. and, And I actually think we can talk about this with Chicago a little bit too, because the last few games, Chicago system wise, and they've been very open about this. They are opened up. They were very tight defensively to start the season and they were very conservative. And the last few games, Jeremy Colleton said, okay, let's go reins off last year. It kind of worked. You know, we have to strike a balance here a little bit, but he's let them go a little bit. I'm, I'm curious to see tonight kind of what we see. And I, and maybe that's the one thing with Jargalant, what he can do. I don't know system-wise. He always talks about, oh, well, you know, we, we do what we do and nobody really does anything different. But I wonder system-wise if he can do something at this point and say, you know, let's, let's open this thing up. We're so worried about being tight defensively. Let's go for it a little bit here. Yeah, let's talk about um, Gallant a little bit. I want to finish off the point on Theodore by just saying he's got seven points this year, which is you know, not what you want from him through 19 games. And uh, four of those points, all assists came on the power play. He's got a 2.2 shooting percentage right now. Not what you want from a guy who's making $5.2 million this year. Obviously, there's some extended uh, circumstances there. But we're going to talk about what Jar Glant can or cannot do or should or should not do with this team when we come back after some brief messages. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is also impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, You'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up, 
and it's free. Sports.axios.com. That's A-X-I-O-S.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free at sports.axios.com. Have you ever seen an untucked button-down? They look bad. Why? Well, because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall of the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. I mean, I've had problems with shirt shopping in the past. I'm like six foot five, and it's hard for people to shop with me. But I love how easy it is to get Untuck It shirts, and I think they look great. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, so we're back, and I want to talk about what Coach Gerard Glant should do with this team because his kind of coaching style, more than even just systems-wise, has always been really intriguing. What I think he gets criticized for at times this year, and he got criticized for it in Florida, is he sticks with his guys. Even when things aren't necessarily going well, he you know doesn't put his lines in a blender, game to game at least. In the middle of a game, if he's looking for a spark, he might. But generally, he does not make big changes to his lineup. He lets his players figure it out and he tries to convey to them like, Hey, I have confidence in you play your game and we'll kind of get through it. And so I think we have this conversation all the time when things are not going well for the Knights. Should he continue to stay the course or is this one of those situations where it might be time to, you know, either on defense or certainly with the third line, try some new things. So what always worries me in that situation is the message that it sends if you send it into the blender because it kind of looks like you're getting a little desperate and you're getting to the point of, are we all just freaking out and doing the Jerry Maguire thing? And, and I don't think that's the message that should be coming across right now. I don't think the freak out should be where the Knights are at. I don't think they do the whole reset thing. That being said, Alex Tuck is coming back, it looks like, and it would be a good time to do it with him coming back. If you're going to do it, this seems like, all right, let's, let's see what happens. Let's mix some things up because the, the, now, now I guess the counter to that would be what happens if he energizes the third line the way he did that one game, because that was pretty evident with him out there that that third line elevated him, Cody Glass, Cody Eakin. That was a pretty effective line. So if you've all of a sudden feel like, okay, now we have a third line that can roll. We can roll all four. Maybe that opens things up for the top two. Maybe it just filters down. I don't know. But if you're going to do it, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to mix and match, I think now would be the time because Alex Tuck's coming back. I just don't like the message that it sends because I don't think, I don't think they need a whole, you know, we need, we need to try something different kind of, kind of mentality right now. No, and I would agree. I mean, especially with the top six, 
I think you got to play it out. Like I think there's guys that certainly aren't having good seasons. Mark Stone and Paul Stasny are both in kind of scoring droughts. Jonathan Marsh, so I think, is not having a good year so far after having a not so good year last year. But I think the third line would be the spot that you might have to make a move at some point. We'll see whether Tuck helps because I mean Cody Eakin talked about after Tuck's first game how much he opens up the ice for them with his speed for him and Cody Glass and how much that helps both of their games, that they have more room to operate because Alex Tuck just draws so much attention. And we'll see if that plays out. But obviously, Cody Eakin, three points in 15 games, is an area where at what point do you give Cody Glass a shot in the middle there? Yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. I just don't know what you do on the wings if if that's the case. I think that's part of the whole issue for Jargalant right now is just they don't have a lot of depth organizationally. They don't have a lot of options. It's not like they have... It's not like Cody Glass is down in Chicago tearing it up and they can go, oh, let's bring the kid up and maybe he'll inject some life and fix the problem. He's already up. He's already playing. You know what I'm saying? Right. There's, they're, 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 they don't have any other choices in a lot of regard. He's tried Brandon Peary and Brandon Peary hasn't really got hot yet and... Brandon Perry even, you know, admitted in Toronto, like, yeah, I'm a streaky guy. I haven't really got going yet. You know, everybody kind of knows. It's not a secret. Um, Nosik's been kind of, you know, up there a little bit. He's been down with the fourth line. They've tried Wall. Like, it, there's nobody that they can, you know, I mean, what, bring Lucas Elvinus up? I, I, You know, that seems a little early for him. Yeah. As well as he's First playing year in the AHL. You know, you're not going to sign Jack Dugan out of Providence right now. Um I, you know, I don't think Peyton Krebs is the answer uh, based on whatever practice he, you could probably give a better assessment of that. Is he, he uh, which by the way, is he even, he's not even signed, right? I believe he's not signed as ELC and he okay. uh, very much looks like an 18 year old playing with men right now. So, so probably worth it to get him back to juniors. Right. And eat some spinach. So I mean, there's not a whole heck of a lot of options here where they can just go like, well, maybe we'll try that. Try this. I, I think the. The mixing and matching the lines, you know, throw that. That's an interesting point you raise because I think it's maybe I'm overstating the whole, you know, that it looks desperate or, or whatever, because I think it's more obviously more common tactic, you know, in the NHL than I'm, you know, clearly giving it credit for. But I, I just, that third line has got to get fixed. It's got to get fixed. If, if it's Alex talk, if it's, you know, something because right now it's the problem is it's affecting all four because they can't just roll through the way that they've been, you know, the way that they've been doing in the past. Yeah. And I believe our columnist, Ed Graney is going to write about that today. He talked to Paul Stasny about that. And Paul Stasny has talked about, you know, the best teams I've played on. I played less because all four lines were good. Well, right now you're not playing that third line much. You know, you're trying to limit that third lines at least five on five time as much as possible. And that probably changes when tuck comes back, but you know, I don't want to also put it all on the third line just because that's clearly the goat right now, because I mean, all the lines aren't playing well. They're getting outscored five on five, which seems, you know, pretty crazy for a team with the top six talent that this one has. Right. And I, and to some extent, I mean, the third line is largely a defensive line. Like to, in, in some regard, I don't know how fair it is to judge them on offensive stuff. I mean, yeah, you you like production out of them, but, you know, like Cody Eakins, a defensive center, you know, I mean, let's call it like it is. Like, you know, if we're going to talk about his scoring and things like that, well, 
you know, let's look at his defensive production, which isn't very good if you look at, you know, numbers and things. Like, I'm not going to sit here and defend him, but, you know, to some extent, it still goes back to identity. And what are you trying to get out of, you know, that line? And, and how does that kind of fit into, you know, the makeup of the whole team? And I think that's part of their problem. You know, they haven't just figured all that out. And, and like I said, I think it's affecting kind of the ability to roll f- through all four of them get some flow, get some momentum. It just, you know, anytime they go and then something happens, they take a penalty, you know, they get out of whack and just, then the third line comes out and then, or the fourth line comes out and can't break the puck out of its own zone, you know, and then they get pinned back and, you know, then it looks like they're sitting back on their heels and then they talk about it after the game because they've blown a lead. Yeah, that's 100% what's kind of going on with this team right now. I mean, Jarrett Lane even said it yesterday. He's like, we are not getting scoring chances like we used to. They're coming every, you know, four or five shifts. Like, we're not just rolling line after line and pinning them in the offensive zone and wearing teams down. It's just not how it's going for them right now. I know a lot of the kind of advanced statistical numbers, like five on five, would tell you that some of that stuff's going to even out at some point, but... There's also the point to be made that uh, if you take penalties, like you're taking penalties, it's not going to even out because you're not going to be five on five as much as you want. Or when you are five on five, you're going to have jumbled lines because you're, you know, putting that Marcheseau, Pacioretty, Glass Trio out there, which actually has been relatively effective, point being. But you're not getting the lines you want. You're not rolling them the way you want when you're constantly getting out of the penalty box or adjusting in different ways to the game. I think that's probably the one consistent criticism that they deserve is the penalties this year. Cause that was something the first two years that they were among the least penalized teams in the, in the league. And this year it's whether it's because they're half step behind and they have to use their stick to try to recover and they're getting trips and holds and all these stick infraction, you know, type penalties and things. Or if it's, you know, if you want to call them bad calls, cause I know it, Jar uh, Glant probably wouldn't, say it super publicly, but you know, I mean, he said he's not necessarily happy with a few of the calls, you know, he hasn't agreed with every call. So, I mean, maybe there's an element of that where a couple have gone against them, but that's the one consistent issue. I would say for a team that's supposed to be good, you just keep letting teams hang around because you're taking penalties because you're giving them two minutes on the power play. And then they have the momentum after that. And, and it's just been too hard to recover from. For, for the Knights. Yeah, I would say that. And I mean, the turnovers, I mean, plain and simple, they have made way too many passes this year that should not be made. And I think it goes back to Pacioretty's point where this is, you know, a really talented team, but it's not the 2018-19 Tampa Bay Lightning where they can fling the puck all around the ice and they can shoot from wherever and have it go in. I mean, this is a team that, I mean, it's what they say. They have to, I think, grind teams down more than not on the forecheck. You know, they can't always just play blue line to blue line hockey, even though there's some other lines are really good at it. Like the first line's really good at it, but the first line's also really good pinning you back and cycling in the offensive zone. And so that's what I think got uh, Jarglant really frustrated after the Washington game. We got asked about that, and he was probably pulling what remains of uh, his hair out because they keep turning the puck over in ways that a veteran team, because you point out this is one of the oldest teams in the National Hockey League. Like these guys have been around the block. I mean, they should know better in terms of when a coach tells you, hey, make simpler passes, don't turn it over, or hey, we can't take so many penalties. Stop reaching, start moving your feet. 
they should be able to listen or at the very least, you know, from what we've heard about that locker room, be able to look inward and say like, Hey guys, this isn't acceptable. We got to clean it up. Maybe we see that response tonight, but we'll see. I mean, it's an interesting stretch coming up. It's, you know, five of the six at home. There's a good handful of teams that are, I guess, you know, out of playoff spots or, or things like that. Like if you're going to go on a run, if you're going to make some, Hey, if you're going to like go on a win streak, cause I don't think they've won more than two games in a row this year. And I think the current three game losing streak is the longest of the season. So, I mean, it's been so up and like, if you're going to get going and get on a run, it seems like a good time to do it because then you've got a tough trip, you know, Nashville, Dallas coming up, you know, Arizona kind of at the end of the month. So, you know, if, if they're going to get going here and, and that, that Thanksgiving, you know, being in the playoff spot by Thanksgiving kind of magic, magic marker that, that we've always talked about. It's, it's, you know, I don't know what the stats are, but, but it's clearly like, that's a, um, if you're going to hit the race, like the quarter pole, you need to be in a playoff spot at, at that point. So if they're going to get on a run here with the, you know, the next handful of games here at home, th- this would be a good time to do it. No, absolutely. And, you know, as much as we've talked about, um, you know, the night's problems or what they need to clean up, they are still uh, just two points out of a playoff spot in the Pacific. Actually, they're in the second wild card spot right now because they have the tiebreaker with the Winnipeg Jets, I believe, right now. So they are in the playoff spots. But there's still a lot of things to clean up. Uh, Dave and I will keep you posted on all of the goings on with the Gold Knights over the next week and into the future. We'll hit you up every Wednesday with a podcast. Remember to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, like, review, tell us we're terrible. We'll still take it. And of course, follow all our coverage at reviewjournal.com. Once again, I want to remind you the Golden Edge podcast is presented by SDN Sports Mobile. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I'm Ben Goats. He's Dave Shane. We'll catch you again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.